Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Power Women in Insurance, the podcast where we talk to women in the insurance space, all over the insurance space. We talk to women who work for carriers. We talk to women who work for the education side, the agency side. We talk to women who work in data. And today, ladies, we are specifically talking to Arlene Tavares, and she is in the education space. She's the owner of Insurance Licensing Services of America with her husband. And she has an amazing podcast too called Spot on insurance. So we have so much great meat to get into today, and I am so excited. Arlene, thank you so much for joining us. I'm super pumped to have you. Thank you, Teresa, for having me here. It is my honor to be sharing the mic with you today and just sharing a little bit about us and uh, you know, getting to know you more during this whole episode. Well, I am excited because you guys really dig deep into the education place and fueling the insurance um, conversation just in so many different ways. And you've been doing it a while and you have a great team behind you. So tell me a little bit about your business and what you guys do. Okay. So in terms of education, I guess the educating that we do is educate agents on how to be compliant with the regulations, um, with licensing, just like staying on the right side of the law so that they don't get a cease and desist, so that they don't get fines and penalties. That's the education that we do. But what we actually you know, do on a day-to-day basis is um, licensing, secure the licenses that agents need, primarily agents that are doing commercial PNC business in multiple states, not you know, like one, two states, but you know, typically most of our clients need licenses in about 30 to 50 states. And we secure the licenses. We keep them um, renewed. We renew the licenses. We also do surplus lines tax filings, which nobody out there wants to do. Wow. Um, yeah. So we do that for um, surplus lines brokers. So that's a big portion of what we do. And we also do all of the filings with the Secretary of State. So the annual returns the Department of Revenue filings, the franchise taxes, all of that. So how did you get into that? Because like you said, nobody wants to do some of that. Did you just like find a niche and just really deep dive deep in it? Or did you have a history in that? What what is it about you and or your history that made you really passionate about that, that you chose to go that direction? So I was working for a company uh, by the name of Manette, J.H. Manette. They were a London broker in New York, New York City. And um, they were later on acquired by Aon. But um, I was in charge of licensing. I ended up getting that role because I went to the College of Insurance, got my risk management degree, and there was an opportunity to go into that role. And I took it. There was no predecessor before me. There was no one to train me. So I'm telling you, when I took on this job, I didn't even know what the heck to do with a bond. I didn't know that when you were getting a surplus lines license and you got this broker bond that you actually had to file it with the insurance department. So let me tell you, I learned by trial and error. It was crazy. 
And so my job was to, we had about 3,000 brokers and my job was to license them, renew the licenses. And I used to outsource all of our offices when I came on board, had the ability to use whatever method that they wanted to, to take care of the licensing process. And um, in that, I ended up going with one vendor at the time. I was outsourcing to one vendor and I was just frustrated with the lack of automation. Like everything was being banged out on typewriters. Oh. And so if we acquired a new business practice from a competitor and we needed to get, you know, 300 producers licensed in all 50 states, it was taking months and months and months to get this done. And uh, so I was like, goodness, there's got to be a way to automate this process. And I used to talk to the owner of that company and everyone back then was telling me, no, by the time that you automate it, the states will change their forms, blah, blah, blah. So when Aon came into the picture and they acquired Manette, um, we decided to step out because we thought, I thought that I was going to be uh, terminated. And uh, so I thought I had made all these plans that I was going to get my severance package and uh, that we were going to start this business. And then they tell me, the, the person that I was reporting to at Aon in Chicago, no, we want you to stay on board. And I was like, what the heck? We've already made plans to start this business, which is really, really needed in the industry. So long story short, I ended up resigning from Aon, but they became our first client. So that was pretty sweet. And uh, from day one, what we did was automate, like take every single form, scan it, automate it. And that just made us be, to be trailblazers in the industry and allowed us to not only just go into licensing, but annual returns and all of the other services mm. that we ended up providing. Well, and I'm sure you could do it a lot faster and more accurate yeah. probably than the people typing it out or pledging it out on the, Absolutely. On the typewriter. So it gave you that, that, that competitive edge yeah. to be able to really grow your business pretty quickly. Yeah, back then, you know, the vendors that were around, they were doing just PNC and life and health. So from the gates, starting off the gates, we were able to go into adjuster, MGA, TPA, surplus lines licensing, where no one else could do that. Right, right. That is phenomenal. Well, what type of, what type of challenges, because you, you mentioned that they said that they really didn't want to automate because as soon as you automate, things are going to change, Right. So I'm sure that being on the forefront of an industry that doesn't doesn't change very easily was had, had a had a ton of but changes at the same time quite frequently. I mean, it's kind of interesting the way insurance doesn't change, but yet they're constantly changing. It, it's a really weird thing because it's yeah. like sometimes it's like if you're going to change, why don't you update things? They don't update, but they change. So. Yes challenges that you guys really encounter in building that, that you guys really had to identify in order to scale or grow appropriately? So back then, you know, every state had its own forms. You're talking about, you know, New York had green paper, yellow paper, pink paper. Um, that was just in New York. And they also had white paper. Yes. You know, some forms were eight and a half by 14. Alaska had triplicate forms, uh, Michigan, Maryland have bubble forms. So it, imagine some of those things like bubble, you're, you're doing that with a number two pencil. 
So we had that. Um, you would have where you would submit your pink paper application and all of a sudden you find out that the state actually changed that form. That that, you know, it's still pink, but it's a different form. So then you go back and, you know, change it. So those things like that lack of automation where we already had our automation internally, like we had a database, we were entering our clients information one time and populating the forms. What was great about facing and overcoming those challenges was that when the states were ready to automate, when they were able to interface with us electronically, we were ready. Mm. We already had the systems internally, like we had all that data in our database. Like we had a programmer that was ready to just flip the switch and interface with the states. So when NIPR came around, we were ready for them. That is phenomenal. And I, I think that's awesome because a lot of people, <clears throat> whenever we start something like that, being a trailblazer, sometimes it's scary because whenever other people want to be able to join you in that conversation, they don't always join in that conversation in an equal way, right? To where you're ready and they match your readiness. Sometimes you have to go back and reinvent the wheel almost again. So I mm -hmm. think that's amazing that you guys were able to work with those institutions to make that a smooth transition for both the, the, the agents, for you guys and for the states and be able to kind of hammer out some of those, some of those problems areas that you guys can make it more smooth for everybody involved. I think that's phenomenal. Now yeah. you guys have been doing that for how long? For about 21 years. We started the business in 97, right? So yeah, about, Am I doing the math right? Maybe it's 24 years. It is 24 years. Yeah, <laughs> 24 years. Um, yeah, but it's been such an evolution, such a, you know, learning experience. Um, it's been amazing. I have no regrets. Obviously, there's been some major challenges, some dark days, <laughs> but um, it's been an amazing journey. I think that is awesome, but I bet you've met with so many different professionals in the insurance space as well, and you've gotten to know so many different people. Tell me a little bit about how your podcast came about, because you do have the podcast Spot on Insurance, and with all this cool, all these cool connections that you've made with this over the course of the last 24 years, I think that that is a phenomenal space for you then to start up that podcast and bring so much additional value to so many people across the insurance industry. Yeah, it's um, we've started the podcast in 2015, but we were outsourcing the host. Um, you know, we were still in Texas at the time, and um, my husband was the um, heart of Texas uh, workforce chairman um, for the Waco area, and uh, one time we had to go to Washington DC and he was being interviewed and he was like what is this for and they said a podcast he's like what's a podcast <laughs> and uh, then he called me he, he, yeah he called me downstairs from the room because I was just a spouse at this conference I was like chillaxing having a good time and he's like all right come down here and he's like check this out this is a podcast and it's targeted you know for your audience blah blah, blah. he's like so we have to start a podcast so we go back to our office, you know, and it's okay. The crazy bosses have a crazy idea one more time. Now they want to have a podcast. But at that point, you know, we were just busy running the day to day. So we outsourced um, the hosting. 
But then um, we had an opportunity to move to Puerto Rico in 2016. And uh, when we moved here, we decided now is a great time for us to start hosting the podcast because everyone in the industry was saying, you know, you guys are the ones that have the relationships and, you know, you love talking to people. It's time for you guys to take over the podcasting. And so we did. And it's the best thing because it's what I love to do. I love talking to people. I love learning. Um, and we get to interview people from all over the world that are adjusters, that are in data scientists. You know, it's the coolest, coolest thing. So it's um, it, moving here gave us the freedom to do that because we focus more on the podcasting and marketing for our business and continuing to build relationships, you know, in the industry. Absolutely. So, and as far as employees, you guys have how many employees? We have 60. We have 60. 60 members. Yeah. That's amazing. Are they all in Texas or where are they all located at? Um, almost all of them are in Texas. We have one in North Carolina. We have two here in Puerto Rico. Um, but for the most part, they're in our Texas headquarters in Central Texas. How awesome. How awesome. I think that is phenomenal. So and I love doing the podcast. I'm right there with you. I learned so much. I mean, yes. I am a, I'm a, I'm a learning nerd, if you will. I love to read books. I love to listen to podcasts. I mean, you know, I'll pull in the garage at any time, you know, on the way home and I've got a podcast going, right? A lot of people love music and I love music, but I am more passionate about a podcast and being able to listen to it and being able to, I think it's so cool now that we can just drive and learn, you know, and we can drive every moment you know, and, and be inspired. It's not just the learning. It's also the inspiration. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. She has a great podcast called Unlocking Us. And um, it's, it's, it's just mentally and emotionally stimulating in a way that I don't get in other places. And that's one thing that I love about a podcast and just hearing real stories from real people doing real things. I think there's yeah. a ton of value in that. Um, how do you generally make connections with people for your podcast? Is it generally like companies that you guys work with? And um, how do you find your guests? So actually very few of our guests are actual ILSA clients. Very, very few. Um, they might become clients later on, but no, I mean, they're not typically our client. Right. We have a lot of um, public relations agencies that reach out to us. Um, and, uh, you know, then I do the vetting. And we also like, I'll reach out, like I'll, I'm on LinkedIn every single day, like multiple times a day. That's my platform. I'm not into Facebook or Instagram so much, but LinkedIn, I'm there. And so when I see people that are doing amazing things in our industry, I just reach out to them and I'm like, please, you know, come on, you know, uh, talk to us on the mic. And, you know, it's awesome. Our podcast episodes usually run almost an hour. So it's a really good time to be able to like connect with the person and get to know them and then, you know, dive deep into what solutions they're providing for our industry. So it's, it's, it's awesome. I think that's phenomenal. I just, uh, I just think that's, so, I need to go, I need to go check it out. I've listened to one, but I've been nerding out on this one podcast recently. And I'm one of these people I binge on a podcast. Yes. So like, I've got to go one, two, three, four, five, six. And like, I'm disappointed when I get home, you know, when I, I got to turn it off. So 
you know, I've got to, I've got to get into that. And I'm really excited to be, to be able to, to check that out. So <clears throat> tell us a little bit about growing your business. Cause you guys have been in business for 24 years, scaling. You guys have moved from New York to yes. Texas, which my girl, I love Texas. And now we're <laughs> down in Puerto Rico. So you have been able to run a business and move around and be able to be really, really relevant in the industry and grow inside of that. So what does that look like for you guys for the last 24 years as you've grown, scaled, hired? All those things are super challenging. Yeah. So, you know, we moved to a very small town in Texas called Grosbeck, which is population 5,000. And when we moved there, um, we knew that the business was going to um, grow um, even though originally when I started the business, um, Ted was still working um, full time somewhere else. And uh, I said, oh, all I want is like one employee, one or two. And he was like, no, the way for us to grow is to have lots of employees and empower them and teach them uh -huh. so that eventually we can have freedom to do other things like if you want to diversify your business, you have to be able to free your mind and your day to day to be able to do that. And so when we moved to Grosbeck, we were already, we probably had about two employees, but we knew that the business was gonna grow and that we wanted to be in Grosbeck because we bought um, a ranch there. And uh, the challenge was people wanting to work for us. Like we couldn't get people to work for us because they didn't know us. Like we were the new people in right. this town. And, um, and in a small town. Yeah, it was small I mean, town. It's not like you're in the middle of a big metroplex like Dallas or something where you guys can just pull from a ton of people. I mean, you're in a small yeah. community. Yeah. And then when you say that, you know, that what do you want, what are you hiring for? Licensing and regulatory compliance. You know, we're gonna train you how to do it. They're like, oh, these people are drug dealers, these people are <laughs> multi-level marketers, you know, because if they can't figure it out, they're going to make up stuff, right? So know. they were like, those foreigners that are here in the town are multi-level <laughs> marketers or those drug Yorkers. dealers. Those New Yorkers, you know, yeah. they're, they're over there so, it up as they go. <laughs> so it was so challenging at first to get people, but gradually, you know, we did. And, uh, you know, now we have 55, 60 employees in Texas. And obviously one of the challenges is, and it's not even a challenge anymore. You're never going to be able to hire people that have expertise in licensing and regulatory compliance. So we know that when people walk in through the door, we're going to do all the training and we're great at that. Um, which is the reason that we've actually put together, um, we're about to launch our online compliance courses because we're really good at training and um, we've done it over so many years. So yeah, that was definitely um, the first challenge. Um, we were able to purchase our two buildings outright. So we have over 10,000 square feet right. of office space. Um, with an adjoining courtyard. And so many of the things that we have today is because our employees were like, hey, that building over there is for sale. And we were like, oh, that building is in really bad shape. And then, you know, but then we're open-minded. And so we would look at it and, okay, how much can we buy the building for? And how much is it gonna cost us to renovate it? And um, that made us have two buildings over there with a nice courtyard in between. and. 
um, housing all of our folks there. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. And that helps your team members to feel like they're team members, right, too, because they're a part of that growth. They're a part of, they can see that, that, that a team member's suggestion is valid and it's, it's taken seriously. And that builds a really great team and it makes people want to work for you. Yeah. Let me tell you, Teresa, when our people, you know, like all of our folks, when they walk in through the door, right, they obviously didn't know anything about licensing and regulatory compliance. And now when we go with them to conferences, I am so freaking proud because they know a hundred times more than I could ever possibly know. Like they know this stuff inside out. They're talking to the regulators day and night. You know, they're friends with regulators. They're friends with the staff at the insurance departments. And so when I hear some of the stuff that they're talking about, I'm like, oh my God, that's so complicated. Like you have to do what with the secretary of state and then the department of revenue. And they're like, we got this, we got this. Don't worry about it. It's awesome. I love that. That is amazing. And so now whenever you hire, I'm sure you probably have a lot of people that would go ahead and apply for that because of that work environment that you guys provide. Oh yeah. We have no problems hiring now. Um, so yeah, we constantly, we have, you know, just a, a a lot of applications in the bank and and now of course our hiring process is so streamlined. Like we have, we put them through, um, like a two week boot camp, um, training them on all of the different departments that we have, because, you know, they're distinct departments, licensing, um, compared to surplus lines, tax filings, compared to our secretary of state. Um, department. So those are very distinct departments, never mind our, our county and our IT. And so we put them through that training of two weeks of just intense boot camp. Um, it's so by the time that they end that boot camp, they've learned so much. Like it would probably take another person like six, eight months to learn all of that. And they learn it in two weeks. Wow. Wow. That is. That would be overwhelming. I mean, but it's so much fun. So how do you keep it fun? Because, you know, licensing compliance and talking about working with the, you know, Secretary of State. I mean, those words make my my eyes just kind of glass over. I mean, and and I know that uh, maybe I'm not necessarily the right person for that job or whatever, but at the same point, sometimes I'm like, you know, I would, I, two weeks of that, you know, incessant, how do you keep it fun? How do you keep it interesting for your team members by building that culture? What do you guys do to, to keep your people excited about the job? Because I think in insurance, people 
I, I've never ever, I've never ever known anyone who says, ooh, I grew up and played with insurance Barbie. I mean, nobody does that, right? I right. mean, I didn't grow up wanting to be in the insurance industry. We all kind of found ourselves in the insurance industry, wherever we end up at, and we pursue an education and we pursue more of it. So when I'm sure that these people don't come to you, you know, begging to get into insurance compliance and regulation. So yeah. how do you keep that fun and fresh and, and, and interesting for your team to constantly grow? Yeah. So the first thing is that we provide a beautiful environment for our employees um, to have. So when they walk through the doors, you know, the reception area, we have a 500 gallon saltwater um, fish aquarium. Wow. Um, with uh, two massage chairs, you know, so they're able to take their breaks and, uh, you know, sit in front of the uh, saltwater aquarium. Uh, the whole facility is beautiful. Um, we have a workout room. We have a nice breakout uh, kitchen space, um, a basketball court. So we wanted to provide a really beautiful place that they could come to, right? So that when they walk through the door, they say, I feel proud. This is my space. I love bringing my kids here, my mama, my daddy, you know? <laughs> so they're proud of their space. You know, that's the first thing. And then we tell them the work that you're learning, it's difficult. But you are servicing some of the largest agencies in the United States, in the world, right? Like some of our clients are global. You are serving them and providing solutions. You know, like they get calls from top executives. Hey, can you tell me how I do this? Hey, thank you so much for helping me with that, you know, that issue that I had in that state. And they feel good, you know, like, so they end up feeling like, man, I feel confident. I am being, you know, thanked by top industry leaders, you know, so it, it, it allows them to be proud of their work. You know, like when people, when we first started our business there, people were like, you're not going to be able to find people to be able to, to train, you know, like you have such a small talent pool to draw from. And we said to our people, it doesn't matter your age. You could be 17 or you could be 70. It's your work ethics. Mm -hmm. As long as you have good work ethics, we can train you. So don't give us excuses that you're too young. Don't, you know, just to say, you know, everyone is equal, right? And so it's that pride that they take in what they do. Um, and you see it, like we had our best year in 2020 during the pandemic. And Ted and I weren't physically at our office for a year and a half. We're just going to go into our office next week. And that's kudos to them. You know, they run it like it's their own business. That is awesome. That's awesome. And by you listening to them and, and encouraging them and giving them those cool things like that amazing, you know, massage location and all of that and the kudos and the, the, the positive work environment. So it really helps, I'm sure, for them to, to take that ownership, like you said, and you guys haven't been there. But at the same point, it runs like a well-oiled machine. Yes. I had somebody once say, <clears throat> and I need to really go back on Facebook and figure out who it was because I've mentioned it all the time. Somebody mentioned on one of the Facebook groups I'm on, 
that as an agent, as an, as an owner, as a business owner, our job is to be the oil can that keeps the machine moving. And I just thought, what a great explanation, what a great description of being able to grow your business in the right direction, right? Rather than me being all those cogs and me being all those pieces, I need to be the oil can that keeps everything moving, flowing, and everything working together so that everything can work in a symphony to be able to be productive and provide everyone with that sense of of accomplishment and joy and team and all those other things. If I'm doing everything, then there's not a team, right? So I love that you guys have really embraced that as a a business model to be able to bring it. And I'm super impressed you've done it in such a small town because so many of us, even in large towns, have such a difficult time hiring and developing culture and doing all those things. And you guys have been able to do it in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll add to that, you know, about being the oil to really keep things running. But as business owners, we also have to be the visionary, right? One of the things, um, you know, before we started recording, you and I spoke about that, the fact that my husband and I run the business, um, Ted and I. So he's very much about having a great culture and having a good um, environment for our people. He was the one that thought about the massage chairs and the aquarium. And I'm more the numbers person. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to cost so much money. So that's the beauty of both of us running the business that he really took on the role of professional development for our employees, the environment, making sure that we um, gave kudos to, to all of our employees. We have this program that we run them through. It's well done by Kenneth Blanchard. So how you know to positively um, reinforce good actions. And then visionary, right? Like besides running your business, your job as a business owner is looking out into the future, looking at the trends. Are there certain things of your business that are going to dwindle? What new things can you go into? So in our case, you know, we said we're going to do a podcast. Now we're doing online courses. When we first started, we were moving away from just licensing to licensing renewals hey, a client said to us, I don't want to do these filings with the Secretary of State, these annual returns. We took that on and we developed a whole department around that. Same thing, we moved back in 2004 that surplus lines tax filings was such a complicated, cumbersome process for the brokers. We took that on, developed a department from that. So our jobs as business leaders and owners is to look ahead into the future. How do we expand the services to probably the same client base, but how do we support them further? And, um, you know, I think we've done a really good job of doing that because, um, you know, sometimes you're pushing your people outside of their comfort zones, uh, but it's what you have to do. And then later on, once they've done it for a while, they're like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense. 
So how have you been able to do that? Like you said, working so remotely, because I mean, I know that they've been able to really take on a lot of that, that, that personal ownership and keep things moving. But as that visionary and as you're moving and changing and developing your business, how have you been able to do that and still be able to work remotely, especially over the last year? But you guys already had such great systems in place that I don't think I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is that COVID didn't throw you guys into a complete tizzy because you guys were so automated and doing so many things on so many great levels. You guys were able to flow really well. You had your best year ever. How have you guys been able to keep all that going as that visionary in a remote way? Because that's- yeah. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I'll give you a little um, history on us before I tell you what happened um, in 2020. Um, You know, of course, the Great Recession. We were impacted severely. Um, Of course, the Great Recession was, you know, 2008, but it hit the industry, the insurance industry, really bad, like 2009, 2010. And we lost 70% of our income. Oh my God. I mean, we were like three months away from shutting down. Wow. We, we were bleeding hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Mm. And um, we came together as a management team. We looked at things and they presented to us things that we needed to cut back on. Because back then we used to pay for daycare 100%, no matter how many children are. Wow. Our employees had 100% of the daycare. So they gave us a list and we went through that whole exercise. And obviously we survived, right? We put together um, uh, what we now call money huddle. Every week we have a money huddle. We go over the finances of the business. And that came about because we, I read a book called The Great Game of Business. And um, we had all of our managers and supervisors read it back then. So that was how we survived, right? Like we learned like, what do we have to do to survive when all of these agencies are failing, when so many of our clients were, um, you know, just facing dire straits. We had a lot of clients that merged. Then 10 years later, you know, the great pandemic hits us. And I'm like, I gotta go into survival mode. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm like, it's March, 2020 and I'm like, I have no idea what the heck is going to happen, right? And um, so a friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, She wanted a quote from me. She was doing a PowerPoint presentation for her staff um, on compliance. And um, I said to Ted, holy cow, we have to do um, presentations. We have to keep the industry together. We're not going to be able to travel. So we're going to start hosting On top of our podcast, we're going to start hosting live webinars, live compliance webinars. And um, we decided this like in March, like when everything was just shutting down. And the first Zoom webinar that we had, it was a disaster. We got (laughs) Zoom bombed. We had monkey butts all over the screens. It was a disaster. It didn't stop us. Zoom went into like high alert that weekend. They did all these things to fix right. the system. Yeah, Zoom had to pivot really quickly. Yes, and the following week, it was perfect. We had so many regulators that came on as guest panelists. It was amazing. So we did it at first 
the reason I did it was because I wanted to stay connected to the industry, right? I wanted to see people. I was like, what the heck? You know, what are we going to be shut down from the world? So it was to see people. But then it became like, okay, let's share resources. Every week something was changing. Like people needed to know, how do I take a test? If I'm, I'm about to get my resident license, what do I do? How do I get applications into the state? And it just became something where every week we were coming together as an industry. We were having regulators participate. And so we were at the forefront of the industry. So we were very relevant and um, it allowed us to be out there and we had our best year ever. That is amazing. And so love- that's how, I'm sorry. So that's how, even though we were remote, yeah. we had that vision of guys, this is what we have to do. And our people, you know, our people are not like marketing folks. They're regulatory folks, you know, they're more like into numbers. And so when we said to them that they had to do live webinars along with us, this was pushing them so out of their comfort zone. They were not happy. But then they started doing it and they got comfortable and they saw the benefit. Nice. Nice. I love to hear how businesses have grown personally and professionally during the last year, year and a half, where, you know, with either working remotely or bringing in new technology or asking their team to do something their team has never done before. I love hearing those stories. I think that that is awesome. And everybody getting new skills and, and new, um, new, new passions, right? Because like you said, yeah. they found something they really enjoy, right? They're numbers yes. people. They don't want to be on a webinar all day long. And I know that with my team, you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have a meeting. Well, some of them keep their, their, their camera off. And I'm like, turn your camera on. And they're like, no, I don't look great today. I go turn your camera on. You know, we're a team da, 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 da. They're, you know, cause we're working remotely. Well, we, we, we've always kind of worked remotely, but um, you know, there are just days where, you know, we do, we, we kind of push those boundaries and I'm excited to hear you guys have done that both in education and with your team. That is yes. phenomenal. Arlene, if people want to reach out to you, if people want to learn more about your compliance and regulation, uh, industry knowledge and experience, if people want to connect with your podcast, how can people connect with you? Okay. So our company, um, which is Insurance Licensing Services of America, you can reach out at osainc.com. Our podcast is on spotoninsurance.com. And you can always, always connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Arlene, A-R-L-E-E-N, Tavares, T-A-V-E-R-A-S. And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm telling you all the time. I love it. And that's how I found you. That's how you and I connected is yes. I found you on LinkedIn. You have some amazing content on there. And I loved checking it out. I was like, oh, I got to have her on the podcast because she's phenomenal. So Thank you. I love your LinkedIn. So if people are on LinkedIn, go check her out. She's amazing. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today with Arlene. She's been phenomenal. And if you need any assistance with your compliance and regulations and just the knowledge that she has, please reach out because she is a powerful, powerful woman in the insurance space. So we are very blessed to talk to you today, Arlene. I really, really appreciate your time. It was my honor, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. 
Well, everybody, we do drop a new episode every single Wednesday. So make sure that you check us out. Give us a review on your favorite podcasting uh, platform as well. Reviews always help us to be able to make sure that people know that we bring you great value. So we've never actually asked you to do that before, which is my fault, but I will definitely be doing that. So we are thrilled to be able to talk to a new amazing woman every single week inside the insurance space. So join us as we help to be able to promote women, insurance, and women who are making insurance rock. Everybody have a great week.